This is a Suno India production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android app. Download it now from Google Play Store. Ramesh Yadav arranges blood for children with thalassemia in Giridi. This is a district in Jharkhand about 200 kilometers from Ranchi. Thalassemia is an inherited disorder that affects the production of hemoglobin, making the children very anemic. Ramesh says that there are about 250 children with thalassemia in the area. सब आ रहे होंगे बच्चे लोग। अभी है ब्लड? ब्लड नहीं है। अभी फिर डोनर लोगों को लगाएंगे आने के बाद किसी किसी को हर दिन। तो आने के बाद तो फिर वो टाइम लगता है ना वो पूरा एक घंटा दो घंटा तो लगता है। कभी कभी आठ आठ दस दस घंटे हमको बैठ जाना पड़ता है वो ब्लड that day when I visited, there were two units of blood in the blood bank, which would just not suffice. This is the usual scenario in Giridi. So how does Ramesh arrange the blood? He gets calls in the morning from the guardians who are going to bring their children to the blood bank. On his phone numbers, the children's names are listed with their blood groups. He then finds the donor with the exact blood group of the child, and this after calling several donors, of which one may come. This practically is the worst possible scenario for a blood bank. The blood bank often has no units of blood left at the beginning of the day. Children with thalassemia in this area have to depend on one person to have a network of people who could come and donate blood. आबादी के हिसाब से कम से कम एक परसेंट जरूरत होती है अगर यहाँ तीस लाख की आबादी है तो यहाँ तीस हजार यूनिट ब्लड की जरूरत होनी चाहिए लेकिन चूंकि यहाँ इलाज की सुविधा नहीं है गिरिडीह में तो यहाँ अपमान के चलिए कि दस हजार यूनिट फिर भी जरूरत है क्योंकि यहाँ के मरीज जो है वो रेफर हो जा रहे हैं तो तो भी दस हजार यूनिट की जरूरत है लेकिन यहाँ पर साढ़े छह हजार के लगभग डोनेशन हो पाता वो भी डोनेशन नहीं उसको बोलेंगे जैसे हम लोग करवा रहे हैं रिप्लेसमेंट कराना है कोई मरीज आया तो उसको रिप्लेसमेंट करवा रहे हैं। What he is pointing to is a lack of system in place to figure regular blood donation that can help maintain stocks in the blood center. So what do we mean by a system? Hello, I'm Menaka Rao reporting for this episode of the Sono India Show. This is the third podcast in the series In the Red. The series is about blood supply shortages in the country. The reporting for the series is supported by Turuga Foundation, which awarded me the Narendra Ravelli National Media Fellowship. If you're listening to this episode, do make sure you've heard part one and part two of this mini series. This last episode is an attempt to explain the universe of blood banking and blood transfusions. So, what do we need to ensure safe, accessible, and adequate blood in the health systems, and how can that be developed? I asked many experts to help me understand this. Let me back up a little. Imagine you are in an emergency and you need two units of blood. So, what do you think is to be done? You just need to know the blood type, right? You will get it in the blood bank. Oh uh, well, no. That is not what usually happens to people. When you go to a blood bank, they will almost certainly ask you to get a donor. Whatever number of units you need from the blank. You will have to replace it or replenish it, and this is called replacement blood donation. Why is that done? 
uh, could be a few scenarios. One is that there is barely any stock in the blood bank or that the blood bank is completely dependent on replacement donation. Basically, you need to find a donor while your loved one is waiting for blood. This is utter and complete chaos as we've seen in the previous two episodes. First, the history. In the thick of the HIV pandemic in the 1990s, an NGO called Common Cause filed a PIL in the Supreme Court, highlighting serious deficiencies in the collection, storage and supply of blood all over the country. What came to light was shocking. No medical checkup is done on the blood sellers. Their health status is not examined. The blood trade flourishes with poor people who are unemployed, rickshaw pullers and drug addicts selling their blood for money. Such blood sellers suffer from various infections and their hemoglobin is lower than the prescribed level. It has been reported that there are many persons who donate blood five to six times in a month. Poverty makes them do this at first, but later it is reported to become like an addiction. The blood seller enjoying the dizziness due to the reduced supply. This is recorded by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court in 1996 gave orders forming a body called National Blood Transfusion Council or NBTC that looks after the functioning of blood banks and ensuring safe blood. In 2003, the NBTC came up with a document called National Blood Policy. This policy says, The practice of replacement donors shall be gradually phased out in a time-bound program to achieve 100% voluntary non-remunerated blood donation program. This is from the policy. Pay attention to the words here. Voluntary means there is no coercion of any sort. A relative asking you to donate blood for someone in the hospital is not voluntary. In fact, that would be replacement donation. Non-renumerated means no money is exchanged. Both replacement and renumerated blood donation poses a risk to people who receive the blood. I shall explain this shortly, but let's hear from Rajat Agarwal first. It was a few years after the Supreme Court verdict, around 2003, that Rajat Agarwal first encountered the blood bank system. He is one of the founders of Sankal Foundation that works in the field of voluntary blood donation. He and others in Sankal studied in an engineering college then. Sankal Foundation, which is based out of Bangalore, also works with thalassemia children. He narrated the story. In 2003, a group of engineering young engineering students went out for a cup of coffee in the middle of the night. And at that time, where you expect to get coffee is the emergency section of the hospital. So they went there, they were sipping tea, and somebody came requesting them to donate blood. This was 11.30 at night. So they were quite taken aback because uh, they were in the middle of Bangalore, tens of thousands of young people around. And they realized that this person has been going around looking for a blood donor for last couple of hours. So they went in and donated blood immediately, uh, four of them. And uh, by the time they came back, the patient did not survive. Now, they were not sure why did the patient die, maybe some other complication. But to them, the fact that somebody had to be looking for blood on the streets in a city like Bangalore was a shocker. The students first made themselves available to donate blood. Later, they got involved in the movement towards voluntary blood donation. 
This is a similar story I've heard from many people who are now deeply involved in the movement towards voluntary blood donation. Now, since the first decade of the century, there has been a major boost in infrastructure related to blood banks. In 1996, there were only 1,018 blood centers, of which 616 were unlicensed. Since then, the scenario has changed. The blood banks are licensed under the Drugs and Cosmetics Act. There are officially 3,932 licensed blood centers in the country for more than 700 districts, as per the latest records. Around 68% of the blood banks in the country are privately owned. Let's now understand what kind of medical problems demand blood transfusions in this country. Dr. Joy Maumann, head of transfusion medicine at Christian Medical College, Vellore, led a major study commissioned by the National Blood Transfusion Council on the clinical demand of blood in the country. This is the first time a study of this sort has been done. I'll add a link in the references. And based on our statistical uh, exp extrapolation for the whole country, we had determined that the total demand for the country is going to be 14.6 million units of whole blood. The average uh, crude clinical demand was 9 uh, units per bed. And if you adjusted for bed occupancy rate, it went to about 11.2 units per bed per annum. So as a rule of thumb, if you had 100 bed hospital, you should uh, try to estimate at 11 units per bed per year as your requirement for blood. And our conclusion was that there's about a million units shortage. Uh, this is based on the NACOS data for that year as to what they had collected and supplied. Um, so that million units uh, is not an insurmountable gap. Uh, if we step up a little bit more on the voluntary blood donation gap, and if we manage component production from all the units that we collect. We still find that uh, the largest proportion of uh, patients in medicine, the request was for nutritional anemia, about a third, almost 32% of demand among medical specialties was for nutritional anemia. That was followed by renal failure and gastrointestinal bleed, and then certain other infectious diseases. Among surgical side, it was mostly orthopedic surgeries followed by abdominal surgeries and then trauma followed by cancer surgeries. In obstetrics, anemia and pregnancy still continues to be the highest reason for demand requesting blood for transfusion, just, just over 34%. And then that was followed by postpartum hemorrhage and uh, intraoperative needs for cesarean section for postpartum hemorrhage. And then abnormal uterine bleeding was the third most common reason. Among pediatrics, we found that the pediatric proportion of demand was very small, just about 8.5%, which itself I think is a reflection of um, possibly the it reflects the level of care available and access to care available in the country. But in this, the largest constant use was for uh, patients with hemolytic anemia, and that is understandable because they are a group which constantly requires transfusions and top-up transfusions. Hemolytic anemia is a condition such as thalassemia where the blood is not able to make hemoglobin. So in all groups, you know, all cohorts, we found that nutritional anemia is still a significant driver for transfusion. As I discussed in the first episode, about 57% of women in the country are anemic. Of these, 2.7% women have severe anemia. That is, people having hemoglobin of less than 8 gram per deciliter, many of whom may need blood transfusion. 
So with nearly 4,000 blood banks, we are sorted, right, for blood supply? Uh, not really. The number of blood centers have proliferated over the last five years. And that's really not good for the country because now we're trying to control processes and ensure quality over a larger and more distributed number of locations. Now, when the, the issue of the total quantum of blood available in the country is one factor, but whether blood is available in the place where it is actually demanded is another fact. Uh, and so uh, the capital city of the district or, or of the state might have adequate blood and there might be uh, some wastage, but that does not automatically trans uh, translate into every district having adequate volumes of blood for, trans for transfusion. Dr. Marman has raised two issues. One is of quality and one is of availability. When we talk of the quality and safety of blood, they mean how the blood bank is kept and the technology available, etc. to ensure processing of blood. But the major issue here is actually voluntary blood donation. What makes voluntary blood donation safer than others? There are many studies to prove this. Dr. Marmin explained this. The fundamental logic is like this. We want to reduce risk to the patient as well as to the donor. So we have a process of screening donors. So there are certain precautions we take on behalf of the donor also and say that if you're not fulfilling these conditions which we think is normal, then you should desist from donating. So when we have a pool of donors, we think they're physiologically healthy and uh, we have asked them questions about risk behavior and they have answered in the negative for all, which means they are not uh, having high risk behavior in terms of sexual behavior, they're not abusing IV drugs and all those conditions which can potentially keep, have them at risk for uh, transmitting infections. Uh, this is assumed to be a safe set of donors. Now the blood which is donated is tested for five infections, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, malaria, syphilis and HIV. There are different tests that can detect the bug. These tests have different levels of reliability. Just to give you an example, a COVID test can miss out a positive patient occasionally, right? This can happen with these tests too. In places like Giridi, I found that they only use rapid blood test kits, which are not as superior as compared to the lab tests. And this obviously increases the risk of unsafe blood even more. Another concept to understand is the window period of infection. There is also this question of window period that is often discussed. And window period talks about the time from the initial point of suspected infection or the exposure to the disease to the time that your test is able to detect it. So the window period changes depending upon the type of test that we are doing. But the issue comes when you have somebody who is infected and either chooses not to tell you the truth at the point when you ask them or they are unsuspecting themselves and then donate blood and your test is not able to detect it because of its own limitations. Suppose uh, uh, an ELISA has a window period of 25 days and we know that uh, somebody who is infected within the last 15 days might not be detected by that test. Yeah, so as we repeatedly test donors, the safety profile improves because you're excluding a positive person each time and you're making sure that they're not coming back into the donor pool. This pool obviously reduces as people grow older or fall sick and cannot donate blood. 
So the pool constantly needs to be replenished, paid attention to, for which we do not have a good program in the country. If you travel through a city, you will see billboards talking about preventing tuberculosis, HIV, giving out condoms, coughing, cough etiquette, and how to access drugs for TB or to screen for TB and sexually transmitted diseases. But nobody talks about blood donation as being a healthy practice and that we should all be donating blood whenever it is possible for us to donate. And that is that still remains a challenge. We don't talk about it enough. It's not, that conversation is not normalized in our communities. Uh, and that is one of the major challenges that the Blood Transfusion Committee experiences. Because most of the time, a person is faced with this decision when his loved one, his parent, child, brother, sister, or dear friend goes to a hospital, has a medical condition, and needs blood. That's when people are faced with this. It's usually in a crisis situation. You know? So it's not a good opportunity to introduce something to a person in a crisis mode. Unfortunately, that normal conversation is lacking in our system. Blood donation drives are considered the way to increase the blood supply in any given area. The biggest problem is that blood banks do not organize blood donation drives. Mostly the blood centers rely on replacement donation. For instance, Ranchi's Rajendra Institute of Medical Sciences as well as Ambikapur's Government Medical College, most of the stock is admittedly filled by replacement donation. They have a few blood donation drives but they are centered around certain events like someone's birthday, anniversary, religious function, etc. So, October 1st is National Voluntary Blood Donation Day. The Health Ministry organized a massive drive starting from the Prime Minister's birthday on September 17 to October 1st. This is the Union Minister Mansukh Mandavia after the drive on October 1st. Ek hi din Pradhan Mandri ji ke janma din ke avsar par ek lakh atsath hajar unit blood ekatha kiya gaya. Jo pehle ka record tha 87,000 unit. उसको तोड़ के 1.1 लाख 68,000 यूनिट ब्लड सिंगल डे एक दिन में एकत्रित किया गया और आज जब आप हम ब्लड डोनेशन दिन के अवसर पर एकत्रित हुए हैं एक पखाड़ा में दो लाख पचास हजार यूनिट ब्लड एकत्रित किया गया What happens is that when blood is collected only on one day or a few days they expire around the same time. And this does not help in maintaining supply of blood in the given area, like say a district or a city. Atul Gera is a businessman in Ranchi and works on voluntary blood donations in the city. He rhetorically asks, do people need blood only on PM's birthday? He filed a public interest litigation, that is a PIL, amplifying the issue of constant lack of blood in blood banks of Jharkhand. See, we have been raising this issue for last, I think, seven, eight years. Uh, I did a PIL in the High Court uh, just to, you know, tell the court and through court the world that, you know, uh, you know, they can really fix this problem. And it is so easy to fix this problem. And it is the, the government themselves who have actually brought the national blood policy to fix it. And it clearly says it is the responsibility of the treating hospital or the hospital, you know, and they need to organize blood for their in-house patient, number one. I imagine when it's a very small component of the whole larger part of the treatment. But for this small thing, 
a patient is so much so much in pain a lot of time they don't get blood on time and you know uh, because it's ranchi the capital city there are so many patients coming from other districts remote districts and so and it's such a common scenario that a patient or a family is staying in the hospital for say five or seven more days just because they could not organize blood on time so that five or seven days might amount to some you know 20 30 40000 rupees secondly uh, it is so important that you know that the risk of professional donors who bring unsafe blood into the system so everybody knows this that you know the the way to bring safe blood is only through a voluntary blood donation camp as per the government norms there should be social workers in blood banks particularly to organize blood donation drives I asked all the five blood centers that I visited in Jharkhand and Chhattisgarh. There was no such post filled in any of these centers. Blood centers are run by medical doctors who are not trained to mobilize people into donating blood. A component of having a good blood donation drive is also maintaining the quality of service during the donation drive. and all the focus would be on the inaugurations and increasing collection by hook or crook just to sort of have a better drive and in doing this the essentials of quality management treating each donor properly screening each donor properly ensuring that the right practices of collection are followed good puts to donation care is given each donor is counseled appropriately all this was taking a back seat sankalp worked with blood centers to ensure that a certain level of quality is maintained in organizing blood donation drives once we were able to assure that you go to any blood donation drive where we are involved the quality is the same you will get the hemoglobin test the sheets on the bed will be clean neat and tidy information will be provided uniformly donor selection criteria would be uniform steps would be taken to make sure you don't have any post donation complication but even if you do proper care will be taken so once we put these few things in place we had a massive amount of support from the community i saw a glimpse of this in gumla district in jharkhand The district hospital has a blood bank which is reasonably well stocked for a district that has a significant adivasi population. This is the only blood bank for the district. The DI went there it had upwards of 100 units in the blood bank. I asked the laboratory technician Ramesh Kumar how they were able to maintain good stocks in the blood bank. He told me that when he joined the blood bank as a lab technician in 2018 he could only issue 10 to 15 blood units per month. and nearly all were replacement donation it took about 10 years for the blood bank to develop a system fortunately there were several social organizations which were interested in voluntary blood donation one of the organizers anikit kumar who networks with other organizations that are willing to organize blood donation spoke to me anikit was part of youth groups which are involved in blood donations soon he started getting desperate calls from all kinds of patients including thalassemia children एक रात यहाँ राकेश भैया जो भी बैठे हुए थे इनका ही फोन आया ब्लड बैंक के टेक्नीशियन है बुलाने के एक पेशेंट को बी पॉजिटिव ब्लड की जरूरत है बच्चा है न्यू बॉर्न बेबी था वो और लगभग रात का भाई ग्यारह बारह बज रहा था तो हम बोले कि भैया अभी तो हम करा नहीं सकते हैं क्योंकि मेरा वो ग्रुप है नहीं मेरा ए पॉजिटिव है और अभी रात में बारह बजे को उठ के आएगा नहीं 
तो बोले अच्छा ठीक है नहीं करते हम देखते हैं और कोशिश करते हैं तो हम उसको उतना ज़्यादा इम्पोर्टेंस नहीं दिया उस बात को कि ये बच्चे की जान की बात है नॉर्मल भैया का कॉल आया उनको हॉस्पिटल से कॉल आया कि एक यूनिट ब्लड का जरूरत है न्यू में भी उनका हीमोग्लोबिन कम है हम भी सीरियस नहीं लिए भैया भी मतलब ये सीरियस थे क्योंकि हॉस्पिटल से डॉक्टर का ही फ़ोन आया था हाँ तो ये हम सुबह में बोले कि भैया हम सात आठ बजे तक हम डोनर ले आएंगे आठ बजे हम डोनर लेके जब यहाँ पहुँचे तो भैया का कॉल किया अपने क्वार्टर पे थे तब बताया कि यानी कि तो बच्चा रात में ही डेथ हो गया उसका थाउजेंड फिफ्टीन की बात तो इमोशनल भी हुआ उस दिन और उस दिन लगा कि नहीं अब इनके लिए कुछ करना है तब फिर टू के आसपास मेरी मुलाकात हुई अतुल सर से मतलब उनका नंबर मिला जब रांची में ब्लड व्लड की ज़रूरत पड़ी थी तब जब सर के साथ मिले तब उनसे जो मोटिवेशन मिला उसके बाद हम लोग जो वन बाय वन डोनेशन कराते थे वो कैंप में तब्दील होना शुरू हो गया क्योंकि भैया हमेशा बोलते थे तुल भैया कि अनिकेत थक जाओगे आज तुम आराम से घर पर बैठे हो लेकिन कल जब तुम्हारे पास काम होगा तो तुम्हारे पास समय नहीं होगा और तुम उन बच्चों की या उन पेशेंट की तुम मदद नहीं कर पाओगे Atul Gera motivated Aniket to organize more camps instead of helping single patients. That's how blood donation camps started getting organized in Gumla. Ramesh says that if donors have a good experience in the blood center, they will always be stock in the blood center. Ma'am, जितना NGO है, जितना club है, जितना मतलब सरकारी संस्थान है, और खासकर जितना donor है, जो भी blood देते हैं, जो भी blood bank आ रहे हैं. उनसे अगर मैं व्यवहार ब्लड बैंक का कोई भी स्टाफ है अगर व्यवहार अच्छा अच्छा रहेगा रिलेशन अच्छा रहेगा तो मैं डोनेशन एकदम श्योर होगा चाहे कोई ब्लड बैंक मेरे हिसाब से ब्लड बैंक में और पब्लिक में ब्लड देने का कमी नहीं है अब मान लिया ब्लड बैंक आया और हम उसको बोल दिए नहीं आधा एक घंटा बैठ तो उस एक घंटा में तो बहुत कुछ सोचेगा बिचारेगा पता चलेगा कि नहीं यार ब्लड नहीं देना चाहिए चलो तो निकल के चला जाएगा ना मैं डेली का हिसाब है तो अगर दो तीन भी डोनर डोनर अगर चला गया तो आपका ब्लड बैंक में जाहिर सी बात है कि ब्लड का डोनेशन घटेगा और दूसरी चीज अगर कोई 1.9 ग्राम है 2 ग्राम है तो उसको तो आप डे एंड डेर आपको ब्लड देना ही है आपको उससे ब्लड मांग मांगिएगा लेट लेट होगा पेशेंट को कुछ हो जाएगा तो फिर तो ब्लड बैंक पर आएगा Ramesh claims that the blood bank now issues 20 to 22 units every day and of these he gives 10 to 12 without any replacement. He says that in Gumla many people are anemic and are not able to donate blood and in such a scenario the blood center cannot force people to find donors. Will ya agar hum log nahi push kar sakte hain aur apna palla jaal le nahi aap donor leke aaiye tab blood denge to to wo to main अगर कल के डेट में पेपर में आता है तो जो भी संस्थान ब्लड दे रहा है जो भी पब्लिक ब्लड दे रहा है उसको तो तकलीफ लगेगा ही कि हाँ हमने ब्लड इतना ब्लड बैंक को देते हैं हम खुद जाकर देते हैं हम डोनेशन करवाते हैं क्योंकि ब्लड बैंक बड़ा ध्यान नहीं दिया He makes another important point here, that is the reputation of the blood bank also makes a difference in the donation. At the moment, Gumla Blood Bank is able to conduct more than ten blood donation camps a month. But what about those blood banks which are barely connecting enough units? This is Rajit. Any place which does not have the mechanism 
to collect enough blood from voluntary blood donors should not have the license for a blood center uh, it's not that you put in the infrastructure and that's good enough that's not how it works it doesn't work like that anywhere the quality and the services that are essential for the functioning of a blood center come about only if the blood center is processing a substantial number of units of blood at various forums our government has used the cutoffs of 2000 units annually and 5000 annu units annually to say what is small medium and large but there is consensus in the community and i guess at the policy level as well that you need substantial size of operations and you need proven capability to be able to collect enough blood units before you can get a license so uh, if there are blood banks which have very low stock which don't have a mechanism to collect units then they should convert into something again that is part of our policy called the storage centers these should convert into places which are attached to more competent blood banks a uh, blood centers who, which are given responsibility to supply blood to these storage centers and they should only do the job of dispensing the units now all of this is something that has been very well recognized by our policy the concept of metro blood bank which is very large blood banks going into tens of thousands of units being set up in urban areas where it is very easy to mobilize donors much more convenient to ensure that you are able to recruit right staff maintain adequate quality so you collect and process at centers where it is possible to mobilize and collect and then you distribute it to these less uh, uh, let's say more difficult places where thanks to the geography thanks to the nature of the place thanks to finances whatever whatever be the reasons where collection is not as easy to increase and convert them into storage centers supply them adequately and ensure that the clinical facilities can remain grassrooted and the transfusion services get benefited from this collect where it is possible approach this is called hub and spoke model the hubs are responsible for the collection and the spokes mostly store blood Dr Joy says that this model is used in many developed countries. I visited the New York Blood Center recently. They are one of the largest uh, blood suppliers for the whole East Coast. They had about 90 people who are just looking at going out and talking to uh communities and ensuring that they are staying in touch with communities that donate, uh, engaging with donors. uh increasing awareness making sure they reach out to new com- communities and bring them in into the into the fold of donations uh so it's not so much as walk in most of them run through scheduled donation camps so they have either a mobile camp or they do camps at uh, dr- donor drives they call them at fixed locations where people can book a slot go in donate and come away This appears to be run like a pharma company which is handling production and distribution of drugs. Only in this case the product has to be generated fully voluntarily.
the lack of safe and accessible blood in the country is a reflection of inadequacies in the health system so where does the buck stop who is responsible for ensuring no patient is sent back without blood the policy is clear that it is the blood centers who are responsible however there is a severe lack of implementation of this policy and in the absence of this regulation it will be the non profit organizations or sometimes even single person initiatives that compensate for the lack of service blood services should not be propped up by the goodwill of individuals it needs systems in place Thank you for listening to this episode. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android app. Download it now from Google Play Store.